We've got several uh, things that I want to make you aware of that are coming up. Uh, first of all, those of you who know that we're going to the Derby dinner tonight, you need to get there by 6 o'clock. That's when they start slinging chicken. So if you, want, if you want the hot chicken, you need to get there early. And then we'll watch the show together. I think we've got over 40 people going this evening, so that, that'll be a lot of fun. Now listen, if you want to cut up, get close to Jane, because she's all the time interrupting the show and that kind of thing. Her show's better than their show most of the time. But we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And then next Sunday morning, our children will be participating in the Christmas program. The adults will be singing some. The kids will be singing some. It's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, so bring some, someone with you. Invite someone to come and hear uh, the kiddos as they're up here doing their thing. It's a wonderful time to invite grandparents and aunts and uncles and neighbors and all that kind of thing. And we'll have a wonderful time together. We start at the same time at 1030, and uh, we want you to come and be a part of that. The very next night, which is Christmas Eve, if you can believe that, uh, we're going to be doing our annual Christmas Eve communion and candlelight service here at the church. Now, I know at Easter we did something online, and that worked very well, uh, but we're not going to do this online. We're going to do this in, in the church. So uh, I know a lot of you celebrate Christmas with your families on Christmas Eve, uh, but we've always had pretty decent crowds for this. Families come and uh, have communion together and enjoy uh, the program together. It's very short. Uh, it, it will only last about a half an hour, and we will participate together. I don't remember what time that starts, so you'll have to read the bulletin. What time? 6.30, I'm being told by the one who runs the show around here. So if it was bound to start at a different time, it's now starting at 6.30 because Sister Donna has said so. Now, seriously, I, I, you look at your bulletin and you'll be able to know, but that's on Christmas Eve. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And then this year, we're going to do something a little different in terms of our holiday party. We always, on the last Sunday of the year, we always get together just to celebrate uh, with food and fellowship and enjoy ourselves together. So on the last Sunday, which is two weeks from today, uh, we're hosting our Frosty Fest. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have a buffet with chicken and taters and green beans and everything else that you can imagine. We're going to play some fun games. We're just going to have a lot of fun. <clears throat> it starts at 11. Thank you very much. And uh, because we're going to eat, we wanted to be a little bit closer to the noontime hour. So again, please invite someone. There might be someone who would come eat chicken with you that won't come hear me preach. Uh, so invite them. It's a great day to invite people to come and be a part of that day. And then uh, at the end of that day, we'll just wait for 2019 to get here because it, uh, it won't be long and we'll be in the new year. I'm so excited about all that God has in store for us over this next year. We're in a good season. God is blessing us abundantly. And I'm so very grateful for all that he has done in my life and uh, in your lives as well. I don't want to embarrass them at all, but I think it would be appropriate for you, me to introduce to you my neighbors. You know, we just recently uh, moved to Mount Washington and re sitting right down here on the right side and your left is my neighbors, that's Cody and Ashley, and I think Brandon, or excuse me, Braden is around here somewhere. 
And so it's good to have them with us this morning. Welcome them. And I'm glad to have all of you here today. I've looked around, I've scanned the room, I've tried to find an ugly person, and I can't find not one. So that's how I feel about you. You're all good looking to me. Amen? Good. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to grab them and turn with me to Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Today, we're going to continue our Advent series. We've been talking about becoming Christmas. And here's what we mean by that. Just as they waited on Christ to come so that he could become all that he is to us today, then we too are to become everything that he wants us to be. We're in the process of being made by the Spirit of God. Bill, could I have just a little more monitor this morning? We're all being made into his likeness. And we're invited by the Holy Spirit to become like Him and to become like the Spirit of God that is in us. So today I want to talk to you for a few moments about this idea of becoming joyful people. I'm thankful that we don't have to be a bunch of uh, sourpusses that just barely get through life, but that we can be joyful people. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that through the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I like that, don't you? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now as we go through Scripture, we can see that there are many different passages of Scripture that mention joy either explicitly, directly, or in principle. But Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 is one of my favorite scriptures because it speaks about some very specific things. First of all, we're introduced to the God of hope. Aren't you glad today that our God is a God of hope? He's just not a a meanie sitting up in heaven trying to take his frustrations out on us. But he loves us so much that he is willing to give us the opportunity through Jesus Christ to have a life of hope and abundance. Amen. Christians ought to be some of the happiest, most joyful people on the face of the earth. And if you're not, you ought to pray through. Amen. Because God has given us the opportunity to enjoy our lives. So it talks about the source of hope, which is the God of hope. Then it talks about the substance of hope, which is joy and peace. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Aren't you thankful that we can be people of joy and peace? And then he talks about the strength of hope, where he says you will abound in hope. That word abound brings with it the idea that it keeps getting better and better and better and better and better. Amen. I'm glad that life just keeps getting better and better and better. For you young people that are looking at me today and say, you haven't lived in my house in a while because it's not as good as I had hoped it would be. I would just suggest to you today that if you'll hold on and be patient, and if you'll make a few adjustments in your life and your attitude and the way that you live, I promise you through Christ, it'll get better and better and better and better and better because he provides us the opportunity to abound in hope. So that's a beautiful passage of scripture. 
But there's another one I want to share with you as well today. It's found in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. It says, And then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I like that. Hope has been one of the many elements in the Christian walk for many, many years. It's interesting to note that joy is one of the contributing factors to obtaining hope. It's hard to have hope unless we also are joyful and expecting good things to come into our lives. So today for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about being joyful. I want to talk to you about having hope as it comes into your life through a joyful attitude. So any... Any discussion about joy requires a a definition because we all have different definitions of what joy is. So let me share with you some ideas about what joy is. If you were to Google it and look it up on the online dictionary, you would discover that joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. If you actually went to the old time dictionaries like we used to have and read the Webster dictionary, it would say this. It is joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So here Webster ties having joy to getting what you want. I think there's a better way for us to define that, and we'll get into that. Then someone else said, joy is an emotion that's acquired by the anticipation and the acquisition or even just the expectation of something great or wonderful. How many of you have a box underneath your tree that you're already excited about opening up? It's got your name on it. Maybe you've gone over there and you've shook it a few times and, and you've gotten all excited about it and you're over there by the tree and you're shaking everything you got and you're excited and you can't wait till Christmas Day. It's, an, it's a joyful expression of anticipation for something good that you believe is going to come into your life. But I think that one of my favorite definitions is one given by John Piper, the great preacher who recently retired, but he said it this way. He said, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit of God as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. I like that. He says it's a good feeling. How many of you know that joy is something you feel? It's not something you just hope you have. You don't say, I'm joyful by faith so much. You either have joy or you don't. You either feel it or you don't. Some of you need to learn how to feel your joy again. Amen. You need to, just not long ago, I showed Donna a picture of a pork loin. And I was just thinking, man, it'd be good to have a pork loin. How many of you like pork loins? 
All right, and so so being the good wife that she is, she went out and got a big one. She put it in a crock pot, and yesterday she unveiled that beautiful pork loin and said, it's time to eat. Let me tell you, I've been anticipating and expecting, but the anticipation and the expectation paled in comparison to putting that first bite of pork loin in my mouth. Man, was it good. And the good news is, is that there are leftovers in the refrigerator. Amen. And so this is going to be a good week for me. I'm just telling you. I've got leftovers that will carry me through for two or three days. Pinto beans in one pot, pork loin in another. I'm having a party at my house this week. But it's a good feeling is what Piper says. And then he says, it's in the soul. Now, you know that we're all three parts. We're body. If you don't believe that, pinch yourself, and you'll find out real quick that you have a body. We are soul, which is where the emotions live. It's where you get happy. It's where you get sad. It's where you get mad. It's where you get glad. It's the soul of an individual. And then there's the spirit, which is where the spirit of God dwells within the believer. So we're body, soul, and spirit. And what Piper is saying here is that joy resides within the soul of man. It's what keeps our emotions uh, steady. And so it is a good feeling in the soul. Then he said it's produced by the Spirit. Hey, the world didn't give it to us and the world can't take it away. The world has nothing that can bring the kind of joy to our lives that Jesus Christ brings to us. If you've never experienced Jesus Christ in your life, let me tell you, there's nothing like it. It's the best sauce that you'll ever lay your hands on. Amen. And it'll change your life completely. So this joy I'm talking about is produced by the Spirit of God. And it comes to us and it magnifies in our lives as we fill our soul with the Word of God. And then the world takes on a new meaning for us because the Spirit of Christ is in us. Now, no definition of joy would be complete without a comparison to happiness and or discouragement. Now, you know there's a difference between joy and happiness, right? Because happiness is dependent upon what happens to us. It's a simple definition. You've heard it many times through the years. But quite simply, happiness is determined by what happens in our lives. For instance, we're happy when we're healthy. We are happy when our political party is in power. We are happy when the stock market is rising. We are happy when our relationships are good and we're experiencing peace in our home. We're happy because what is happening to us is good. But just like we are happy when things are good, we can easily get discouraged when things are bad. We are discouraged when we get a bad report from the doctor. We are discouraged when our political ideals are ignored. We are discouraged when taxes and gas prices and utilities are on the rise while our salaries are on the decline. We're discouraged. We're discouraged when our relationships are suffering. So I gave John a picture that I'd like for him to put on the screen. I don't know if you'll be able to see it or not. I hope so. I want to just begin this by saying I am not an artist, okay? 
I'm just simply not. Uh, I did not draw this very good, but you'll get the gist of it. Because here's what I want to share with you. Joy is the default template we were created with. It is the divine baseline emotion for us to balance life with. Now let me read that one more time, and then we're going to go back to the picture. Joy is the default template we are created with. It is the divine baseline emotion for us to balance life with. Now go back to the picture, if you will. Listen, we need to understand that we were created by God. God created us in His image. Is that true? The Scripture says that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. Look at your neighbor and say, I didn't realize you were that good. But when God makes us and creates us, He did not create us in a negative way. He did not create us so that we could not succeed. He created us so that we could succeed in the things that He has called us to do. So joy is our baseline emotion. Now, you know people that they, they're, they're just off the charts. I mean, they're up and they're down. They're in and they're out. They're wobbly. They're, 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 they're just all over the place. I don't know if you know anybody like that or not. I do. But what God has designed in us is this baseline of joy that enables us to live our lives with a joyful attitude and a joyful spirit. Now, the squiggly line represents when times are good and times are bad. When times are good, as I described, we tend to get above the baseline of joy. And we just get oogly-googly beside ourselves. You know, there's those days that we, we just wake up in the morning and everything is just great. And everything is just wonderful and we're feeling good. And, and I mean, all is well with our soul. And we get above the baseline. But then there are days... When everything is going wrong and everybody's making us mad and somebody stole our parking place at Walmart and we're just upset because things are just not going. And there are times that we tend to dip below that baseline of joy because we're discouraged or we're frustrated. God doesn't intend for us to live in a constant state of either of those extremes. We don't live in happiness all the time. In fact, the scripture says in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I'm thankful for that today, aren't you? There are days that we're just so happy we can't even describe it. And then there are days that we're so low uh, that we can't even hardly pull ourselves up and get our socks and shoes on. We just live on this emotional roller coaster of emotions. But what God is wanting us to do is to find that joyful baseline of life so that we can understand with our mind that even when things are bad, it's going to be okay in the morning. God's going to create another day for me. Every day is created by God with new mercies for me to obtain and have in my life. And things may be going really well today, but tomorrow might not be as good, but that's okay because I know that God is on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. And so we live on this baseline of joy. So we've defined it. Now let's understand who designed it. Who is the designer of joy? 
Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That comes back to this idea that God creates our joy. God creates everything that we need in our life. The scripture says in him, we live and move and have our very existence because of him. He has created everything for us to enjoy and to apply to our lives. He has designed it so that we can be joyful people. And Nehemiah says, the Lord's joy looks like this. He said, go your way. In other words, let the daily movements of life be without fear and frustration. Go your way. Some of you have quit trying. Some of you have just given up. I know many in our church that for whatever reasons, they hit a rod roadblock or two and they just threw up their hands and quit. Listen, don't quit. Keep moving. Go your way. It is the joy of the Lord that will keep you moving in the right direction. Put on a little Fleetwood Mac and sing, you can go your own way. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Go your way. Let your daily movements of life be without fear and frustration. Then he says, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. Hallelujah. See, you guys have been giving me a hard time for eight years about my love for eating. But the Lord wants us to eat the fat. Now, it doesn't say get fat. It doesn't say eat until you get fat. It says eat, eat the fat. What he's saying is, and I'm glad this is true because I don't like the fat. I, I, don't, I cut the fat off and push it to the side and slip it to Boomer underneath the table. I don't like the fat. Some people do, but I don't, I don't like the fat. But what he's talking about is eat the good things of life. Man, if a hot dog is good for you, eat three of them. But if you'd rather have pork loin, eat some pork loin. He's saying, enjoy your life. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet wine. Celebrate life with nutritious foods. And then he says, if you see somebody who doesn't have what you have, send portions to anyone who has nothing. So in other words, it's not a selfish thing where I'm supposed to celebrate and I'm supposed to rejoice, but no one else. No, look around you. Look around and see the need that exists. Look at the neighbors down the street. Look at the people all around you that need to experience the love of Jesus Christ and share that love with them. Then he said, this day is holy. Just as every day is holy that the creator's made. He's saying today is the day that is holy. It's been designed by God. Well, which day is that? Is it Monday or is it Wednesday or is it Tuesday or is it Friday? No, it's every day because every day is the day that the Lord made. Amen. And every day we can rejoice and be glad in it. And then he says, do not be grieved. In other words, he's saying, stop worrying about things that you cannot change. You know, some of you got some things in your life right now that you can't change. There are some things in your life that happened that just exploded in your life and you weren't involved in it. You didn't cause it. You didn't bring it about, but you're worried about it in every day of your life. It consumes your thoughts. 
But listen, when you're in relationship with the Lord, what you need to understand is it is God who will fight your battles for you. And if God is fighting your battles for you, then you can stop worrying about it and grieving yourself over things that you cannot control. Oh, Nehemiah had it right. He said, do not be grieved. Now, here's the problem that many of us have. We've never come to a place where we're willing to accept God as he is. We want to make God into our own little God. We want him to be the kind of God that we would create for our own use. But listen, we do not have the right to make God into an idol of our own making. Our understanding of him must adhere to the revelation that he gives of himself. Let me read that again. We do not have the right to make God into an idol of our own making. Our understanding of him must adhere to the revelation that he gives of himself. Now, when we got married, if you're married, you probably went on a few dates with the person that you eventually married. And how many of you know that when you're dating, you ought to put your best foot forward? I mean, you dress up a little bit, you put on clean jeans, change your underwear, you shave, brush your teeth, use a little mouthwash, put forth your best foot. But then you get married. And then you decide that you're only going to brush your teeth three times a week. You're only going to comb your hair on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. Thank God that doesn't happen in our household. Amen. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Sometimes you thought you had something that you didn't have. And you went into this thing with a false revelation of who it was you were dating. They did not turn out to be like you wanted them to turn out. Stop looking at your spouse now. This is not a good time to do that. You're liable to get slapped right here in God's house. Sometimes you can go to a restaurant and you've seen all the advertisement. It's good. They show pictures of this food and, and then you go and you get there. And all of a sudden you realize that they must have taken pictures of food at another, another restaurant. Because the food here sure doesn't look like that. And it sure doesn't taste like that either. It's based on a false revelation. Someone wants you to believe something that is not true. But here's the point I'm trying to make. God will never misrepresent himself to you. When God reveals himself to us, it is always true. And if it is always true, then our responsibility is to say, God, if you have revealed yourself in this manner, then I must believe that to be true, whether I feel it or see it or not. Because God does not lie. There is a liar. The devil is a liar. He's the father of all lies. 
Every lie that you have ever heard always is initiated by the devil, but God never lies. And so if we're going to serve him and love him, we must do so based on the revelation that he gives of himself. In Psalm chapter 51, King David has sinned by having an affair with Bathsheba. How many of you ever remember reading that story? And because he sinned and failed, then he lost the joy of his salvation. You say, how do you know that? Because Psalm chapter 51 shows us him praying and saying to God, restore unto me the joy of... No, we've misquoted that. It's not give me the restore unto me the joy of my salvation, thy salvation, your salvation, the salvation that you created, the salvation that comes from you, God, the life that is drawn out for us in the Bible, in the Word of God. Lord, restore that to me because I somehow got away from it. I knew it one time. I was committed to it at one time. But I'm telling you, I got away from it and I stopped living according to the Word of God. And I stopped living the way that I should. And because I did, I lost the joy of your salvation. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, we have a tendency as we get older to do things the way that we've always done them. And when we do, we, we lose the importance of the little things. Now, I like oatmeal. How many of you like oatmeal? Can I see your hands? How many of you hate it? See your hands. Come up here and let me pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. I love oatmeal. It's good for you. It's heart healthy, all that kind of stuff. Oatmeal's pretty easy to, to, to make. You just get a pan, put some water in it, a little dash of salt, put your, uh, I just get the one minute oats because they're quicker. I'm, I can't stand all day and wait for oats to, to get warm. You put them in there, you cook them, they, it, it boils, the water boils, you put the, the oats in there, they get warm, stir them around, put you a little, however you like it, if you like brown sugar or if you like whatever you like in it, you put it in there. I like butter in mine. Kind of takes away the hard, healthy stuff, but you know, can't win them all, right? Get it all ready to go. You're putting it all in there. And then the first few times that you do it, they're just perfect. I mean, they're, they're the right consistency. They're the right sweetness. They're the right, they're the right everything. And you just sit down at the table with your cup of coffee and your bowl of oatmeal and you just, you just start... Oh, it's good. And then you've made them so many times that sometimes you put a little bit too much water in because you don't get the cups out anymore. You don't get the measuring things out. You just eyeball it. You eyeball the water. You eyeball the oats. You eyeball the brown sugar. You eyeball it all. And how many of you have ever ate oatmeal that you could tell had been eyeballed by somebody? Some of us want to live our, our life in Christ like that. I think I know what the word says, and so I'm not going to read it anymore. I've got enough 
to last me a lifetime. And so I'm not going to take that time anymore. Not going to pray anymore because, you know, God knows what is in my heart anyway. And so there's no need to, to, to do that. I'm not going to forgive anymore. I've already forgiven enough people in this lifetime that I should be good for eternity. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to praise the Lord. I'm not going to lift my hands when I need to praise him. I'm not going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I'm not going to do all that anymore because I, I'm mature in my faith. And because we start eyeballing our relationship with God, things get out of whack. Let me remind some of you today that you need to stop eyeballing and you need to go back to what it is that God is requiring. The Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. If you've got no faith in your life today, if you can't believe anymore, get the Word of God in your spirit and in your soul so that you can believe again. Amen. And then lastly, Look at your neighbor and say, when he says, lastly, it means nothing at all. He goes on then and he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's your strength. Notice that word strength. Now, according to reference.com, it says the skeletal system works in conjunction with the muscular system to help the person move. And without the skeleton, humans and other animals would simply be a blob of tissue without any protection. In other words, God has so designed these bodies that the skeletal system inside is what keeps us stable. And what Nehemiah is saying is, it is the joy of the Lord that is in you that keeps you stable. It's your skeletal system, if you will. It came to me as I was writing this down. Just like the body can become a blob of tissue, our soul can become a blob of issues. Without the strength that comes from divine joy. The skeleton keeps us from being a blob of tissue. How many of you remember the show, the cartoon a few years ago about the blob? The blob, he was just a blob. And he just kind of scoot around on the floor. He couldn't go anywhere because he didn't have a skeletal system. So he just kind of. He was a blob of tissues. But some of you have become a blob of issues. And what God wants you to do is to get the blob out of your life and return to a day when the joy of the Lord was keeping you stable. 
I know people, they've been so upset over the political picture over the last couple of years that they can't hardly live. They can't even get on Facebook without posting. If, if Melania is your first lady, when you say like, I ain't going to do it. I respect her as my president's wife and the first, but I'm not going to get caught up in that junk. I've got more important things. You think we need a wall? Will you like this and send it to 42,000 people? No. I'm not going to do it. I've got more important things to do with my life. There are people dying and going to hell. And I have a responsibility to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know, you're a little rough sometimes, Pastor. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. As we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to preach it firmer and harder and louder. I was telling the prayer team this morning, they were praying for me. I heard Rod Parsley this week. He said, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the church today. He said, what's wrong with the church is because the preachers have backslidden and are no longer longer preaching the principles of the Word of God first thing I did was say talk, speak for yourself Rod if somebody backslid maybe it was you and not me and then I said Lord he's right though how can people follow if they're not being led how can people grow if they're not hearing the word of God how can people be inspired in the spirit unless preachers are, are preaching with the anointing of the Holy Spirit how are we going to do it unless we all return to the baseline. Joy is to the soul what the skeleton is to the body. It provides structure and stability. It enables movement and it creates atmosphere. It creates atmosphere. Listen, if your skeletal system is not working the way that it should, You've got arthritis that's against you and you're carrying too much weight. You know what happens when you get old? You sit down in your lazy boy recliner. You sit there and you watch a little TV. And then you decide you're going to get up. And so you have to start rocking in advance. Get your hands on the side of the chair now because you're going to need them. Only, it usually it looks like something like this. You see, when your skeletal system is not working right, it's hard for you to function the way that you should. And the same is true with life. When your joy, which is your skeletal system, your baseline emotion, when it no longer exists, it's hard for you to live the life of abundance that God has for you. So here's what I'm asking you to do this year. As you go into 2019, Restore 
the joy of the Lord in your life. Do whatever you have to do to create an atmosphere of joy. Laugh with people. Enjoy life with people. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet wine. Do the things that Nehemiah has asked you to do so that you can experience joy in your life once again. Amen. You stand with me this morning.